Welcome to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I started this podcast because of my love for Jessica and Ashley Simpson, but due to the support of my amazing listeners, I have been able to expand to other topics as well to feed my pop culture obsession and yours. Join me as we time travel through some of the most interesting figures in music, movies, TV, and beyond. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lindsay Lohan Part 9. I cannot believe that we have done (laughs) this many parts of this series, but here we are. Here we go again, you guys. If you have not heard episodes one through eight, please make sure you go back and check them out. I want to give a special thanks to all of my Patreon subscribers. If you're interested, it is patreon.com slash Ashley and Jessicast. If you want to join, it's $5 a month. You can cancel online anytime and you get bonus episodes and ad-free episodes. You get all the episodes a day or more earlier whenever I finish them than the general public. So check that out if you're interested. Today, we are going to be getting into Lindsay's press tour for Georgia Rule. I talk a lot about the movie in this episode and what I think of it. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it as well. And then, of course, we are going to get into the three rehab stays that Lindsay embarked on during 2007. Ooh, ooh. I literally shudder when I hear the word 2007. Like, even if someone is just in casual conversation talking about, like, the 2007 NBA Finals, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I, like, I just, when it comes to being a Britney fan and a Lindsay fan during this period, we were rushing home every day from school, checking making sure that they were still alive, not arrested, all of that. I mean, it was extremely tough. Plus, Paris went to jail. Nicole was facing jail time. It was just, it was an insane era. It was a lot. Like, we were really going through it back in the day, and I am so happy to report that all these people are doing great now. Thank God. But without further ado, let's just get into this because there is so much to touch on. I cannot waste any more time with this intro. So Lindsay once again rang in the new year in South Beach, Miami. She hosted a party and DJed at Sky Bar. And DJing is something that she got into a lot around this time. I think it was probably to impress Samantha Ronson or to just be cool. I feel like it was such an early 2000s thing, although now we're kind of getting more mid to late 2000s, but to DJ, I feel like Paris Hilton being a DJ today and that being how she makes like the bulk of her money is so hilarious because Paris Hilton is so quintessentially early 2000s. And so of course that's her job, you know? So Wilmer Valderrama was there again. It's funny that Lindsay said in the future, Um, In like 2014, I believe she said that her and Jared were always on and off and they never really broke up. Jared Leto, I'm talking about, if you haven't heard the previous episodes. Which, girl, what are you doing? If you're listening to part nine, you need to hear the other episodes. But anyways, it's kind of that way with Wilmer because through all this research I've been doing, yeah, they broke up in, I think, October 2004, if I remember correctly. But they were seen together so often over the years, over and over and over again. So 
who knows but Lindsay was actually slated to start filming her movie I Know Who Killed Me right after this but she was hospitalized once again you guys I haven't even reported all the times that she was hospitalized during the time period that I'm talking about in this podcast like every time I say she was hospitalized just take it like three hospitalizations like for every one I tell you about there's really three but this one I'm telling you about because it was determined that she had appendicitis so her appendix was removed and there's all this controversy swirling around this because some people say she did not actually have this surgery and her people just made it up to cover a hospitalization for drug and alcohol abuse or something like that others say she did have her appendix removed but this really only exacerbated her substance abuse issues because she was prescribed strong pain medication and I think with addicts too anytime you have any kind of injury or something I mean they obviously drink even heavier and things like that because they just want to I mean they want to numb the pain you know what I mean so I feel like either one of these options is very likely and I don't really have an opinion on it either way I guess the only people that really know would be her doctors because of this hospitalization they had to postpone the filming of I know who killed me because Lindsay is in basically every single scene of the movie whatever the reason for her hospitalization as soon as she was able Lindsay was right back on set filming I know who killed me and she was also right back on the LA party and club circuit I mean this girl does not know how to rest I know who killed me is a low budget movie and she's in every single scene she must have been working her ass off on the set all day long and then she still is burning the candle at both ends and supposedly she just had surgery you think that she would I don't know take a nap every so often but that was not the case and on January 18th 2007 Lindsay checked into rehab for the first time but I don't know how legitimate this rehab stay was or how committed she really was to her sobriety because she basically was an outpatient at Wonderland which is the facility she checked into in Los Angeles so that she could continue filming I Know Who Killed Me during the day and then she would return to Wonderland at night so she was kind of treating it like a hotel and I just don't know what the point is of just sleeping at rehab <laughs> movie sets have really long hours especially when you are the star of the movie you're playing two roles and you're in almost every single scene so she really didn't attend any of the important appointments that are vital to your recovery and rehab you know they have group during the day they have individual therapy they have time for you to exercise you know you go on hikes you meditate they have libraries there they have art classes and things like that like you know you're supposed to keep a journal in some cases or just write a lot in general and be introspective and how can you possibly do that and how can you battle your addiction when you have to be on set for 16 hours a day and you're starring in this really dark movie where you have to get into the mindset of somebody who was abducted and tortured and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, it just wasn't a real solution for a very, very real problem. But I think that Lindsay and her team and her family and the filmmakers really didn't know what to do because Lindsay didn't want to look like she was dropping out of a movie 
because of her addiction, even though that would have been the responsible thing to do. And also she was probably contracted. And like I said, this was a low budget independent film. They had already shot a good portion of the movie with Lindsay in it. So getting a new actress at that point, they would have had to reshoot everything. They probably didn't even have the money for that. Lindsay dropping out of this film in order to go to rehab at this point probably would have completely sank this movie, which now it's like, well, the movie is trash, so she should have just dropped out. And, you know, it's not like we would have been depriving the world of a cinematic masterpiece or something. But at the time, she really thought this was going to be her big transition into like psychological thriller serious movies. And I know the filmmakers believed in the movie because even though it's a bad movie, and we'll talk about this uh, when it comes out in my timeline here, it's still you can tell that the people who made it cared about what they were doing. It's not like it's just a throwaway movie. It's 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 hard to explain. You have to see it. But the movie does have a certain artistic style to it. It might not be something that I personally love. But it is a movie that is appreciated by some people. So I think that they were all in a really, really tough spot here. And you could just blame everybody around Lindsay and be like, oh, all they care about is money and they don't care about her actual health. But I really think that Lindsay herself was like, no, 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 no. I am not dropping out of this movie. This is a big chance for me. And And also I think a lot of addicts are often in denial about how bad their problems really are. So this is speculation, but I assume that she thought that this would be fine. Like she'll spend some time at the rehab and she'll spend her off days at the rehab, but she can still keep making her movies. So I'm sure that to her, it was like the best of both worlds. But in reality, she wasn't actually getting the hardcore treatment that she needed. When Lindsay entered rehab, she said, I have made a proactive decision to take care of my personal health. I appreciate your well wishes and ask that you please respect my privacy at this time. Her mother, Dina, said, I'm so proud of her. She's really in a good place right now spiritually and mentally. She's in an amazing, phenomenal place. She's 20 and she's solid and she's doing what she needs to do. I don't know that many people are that secure. It's all about her and getting back on track. She's fine. She's amazingly fine. That statement very much reeks of somebody trying to tell themselves something and convince themselves by saying it out loud. So Lindsay was not just spotted on the set of her movie. She was also spotted just around LA doing various things. Of course, they always would follow her to her AA meetings, which isn't normal to leave rehab and go to an AA meeting because isn't doesn't rehab kind of have like built in AA meetings? I don't know, but she was also out photographed doing other things that you just wouldn't expect somebody who's in rehab to be out doing. Not that she was partying or anything like that, but like she was photographed going to get frozen yogurt with a friend and things like that. And so people started to speculate that Lindsay was getting special treatment because she's a celebrity. And her publicist made a statement saying, Lindsay is not getting special treatment. She's getting the same as everyone else. This isn't the Betty Ford Clinic. It's not a lockdown facility. There is personal time. All these naysayers who keep blogging and speaking out, they don't know what she's going through. They're not there. They shouldn't speak until they've gone through something like that. And for the record, she did have her appendix taken out. (laughs) She's doing fine right now, confirmed her publicist. She is allowed to work and then she returns to treatment at night. I just don't believe that she was actually getting treatment, except on the weekends. But aside from that, I don't know how you could possibly be the star of a movie filming 14, 15, 16 hours per day and going through rehab at the same time. Addiction is such 
a true battle. I mean, most addicts will tell you it's the battle of their lives. Like it's a day-to-day process. The sad thing was that she didn't get to go to the Sundance Film Festival to promote her movie Chapter 27. And I think that was definitely disappointing for her because Sundance is huge for actors and actresses in the film industry. It's one of the most prestigious film festivals and it's very much like a next year's Oscar preview in a lot of ways. If your film gets into Sundance, that is massive. I mean, it's huge. And she had never been to Sundance with a movie before. I'm not sure if she had ever gone there just to like party and see movies. But one of her films had never premiered at Sundance before because she never made those types of independent films that have to premiere at a festival to find distribution. And I think it would have been a really proud moment for her to go there, especially with Jared, who she was clearly fond of. And I think it was a real disappointment for not just her, but the cast and crew of Chapter 27 because obviously having Lindsay Lohan in your movie, there might be some drawbacks, but there's also some benefits. And you know that if Lindsay had taken a break from rehab and filming her movie to go fly to Utah and appear at this festival with Jared Leto, that there would have been a lot of press. She also didn't get to attend the Screen Actors Guild Awards where she was nominated along with all of the co-stars that she did the film Bobby with. They were nominated for Best Ensemble. That's the only time she's ever been nominated for something like that. And it breaks my heart that she didn't get to go. I hope that someday she'll get nominated again and she'll get to go. So Lindsay was supposed to star in this movie, A Woman of No Importance, which she was going to co-star in with Annette Bening. And this would have been huge for Lindsay because Annette Bening is almost on like Meryl Streep level when it comes to talent and respect in Hollywood Lindsay really needed to do a film with somebody like Annette Bening at this point in her career because it was things were not great I know who killed me was about to come out Georgia rule was about to come out these are not these are not Academy Award-winning films okay and instead she decided to prioritize her health which is actually the move right Her publicist said she doesn't want to just yes everyone and compromise herself anymore. If anything has been learned, it's that what she needs comes first. And right now she needs focus. It's the mature thing to do. She's doing this so she can focus on getting better. So this was the first of a slew of movies that Lindsay either dropped out of herself or was dropped from because Lindsay became what is called uninsurable in Hollywood. One of the biggest, most important things when you're making a movie is securing insurance. And obviously these insurance policies are huge because, I mean, you've seen Tom Cruise jumping from one moving vehicle to another moving vehicle. You know, when you're setting up a movie, the producers have to literally detail everything that these actors are going to be doing so that they can do a risk assessment. And when it comes to Lindsay, the risk was just too massive and I'm not even going to get into all of the movies because there are literally so many when you're searching her name from around 2007 8 9 10 I mean it's just like one after the other she loses these opportunities on February 16th Lindsay was released and I say that with quote hands because (laughs) released from Wonderland rehab And her publicist said she will continue as an outpatient and she will take it day by day. She's in it for the long haul and asks that her privacy be respected. But of course, right after that, Lindsay starts partying again. She was seen with Steve-O and she was seen with, listen to this cast of characters, Cisco Adler, Corey Kennedy. Do you remember her? 
I completely forgot about her. I mean, she was somewhere in the depths of my brain because as soon as I read this, I could see her face. Like I pictured her immediately. (laughs) But yeah, Corey Kennedy. Are there two names that fit better into this time period and no other time period than Cisco Adler and Corey Kennedy? I mean, they are right next to Brandon Davis, you know? Oh, and then guess who else was at this party that she went to? Jeffree Star. I can't. I, I can't. I just like this. I love Lindsay so much, but oh my God. Lindsay was featured on the cover of GQ for March of 2007. And the headline on the cover is Lindsay Lohan, American sex bomb. Why? Like what? (laughs) Why was she a sex bomb? I don't understand that. She really wasn't. I mean, maybe once I Know Who Killed Me came out, that was the image that she was going for with that movie like clearly a sexier image but at this point sex bomb I just it's gross anyway so the article is hilarious because they couldn't even get an interview with her and the the guy who's writing it he kind of tries to act like oh it was cool that I got to interview her via Blackberry and so he just like texted her for a while they would text back and forth and she would ignore him for days and days and then she would send him like one sentence that said you know just something stupid and then xxxll you know at one point he asked her what's the weirdest thing that happened to you today or the best or the worst and she goes um 30 days sober today my family is coming to town sunday Filmed through the night and it was really great stuff that we got accomplished and looks insanely good. Also, I found out that I'm going to Japan in mid-April with a friend. So that friend was Samantha Ronson. I'm not sure if Lindsay was dating her at this time or when she actually started dating her. And we're going to get into Samantha, obviously. But they were friends as far back as 2005. Even possibly earlier. So... I'm not sure exactly when that relationship started, but they did go to Japan together with Samantha's sister, Charlotte, in 2007. So he replies, congrats on the 30-day mark. So personally, I'm not so great when it comes to remembering jokes, but everybody knows one or two. What have you got? And then days and days pass without a response. And I don't blame her. Are you kidding me? You have Lindsay Lohan while she's in rehab doing an interview with you. You have her personal phone number. And you're saying, well, I don't really know any jokes. I'm not too good at that. What do you think, Lindsay? Like, are you kidding me? She's not in a joking mood. Like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> sorry, I just get frustrated with these reporters. But so she didn't respond. And then he goes, hmm, I guess you're not into telling jokes. I'll try this then. What's the biggest misconception about you in the public eye? Like, she's never been asked that before. Are you kidding? What image would you like to correct in the brain jackass media? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And she replies, I can't think of any jokes or they're mean jokes and I'll feel bad. I'm just a kid and someone's got to monitor me sometimes. So she just completely ignores the misconception thing, which I don't blame her again. She's been asked that a billion times. 
And then he replies, okay, now I'm forced to go all James Lipton on your ass. Um, that sounds creepy on several levels. Is there anything you fear? And she replies, hey, sorry, I'm at my apartment with Nikki Reed trying to find something to wear. I haven't been to Hyde since before I went to rehab and I'm with sober friends and feel good. Here now, wearing Marc Jacobs pumps and a Kate and Cass dress, vintage Chanel messenger and top shop tights and peace sign earrings from caviar and kind. So I think she just wanted to talk about fashion. As I've said many times, Lindsay was just trying so hard to be a fashion girl, which I don't know ever really happened. I mean, for a while she was going to a lot of fashion shows and events, but I would like to see her have a big fashion comeback. We all saw that amazing Vogue interview on YouTube that she did recently. So at least, you know, that's a good sign. In April, she told Entertainment Weekly that making I Know Who Killed Me during her rehab stay was a really positive experience for her. She said, I noticed how much better I was, how much more clear my thoughts were too. There's no distractions. It just comes more naturally. It's not so much a job. So then in May, she's featured on the cover of Nylon Magazine. And this is the famous cover of her where she is holding her hand in front of her mouth. Remember how popular that pose was in the early 2000s? There are so many pictures of me around that time doing that. That kind of like, oh no, pose. And I hate, like there's nothing I hate more than that pose, honestly, when I see that in, in pictures. And that's what they chose for the cover. It says, I say too much sometimes. And she told the magazine that despite being sober, she was going to keep going out. <laughs> so she says, I'm at the point where, oh my God, I'm going to go out. I work hard enough and I know how to take care of myself. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I will say though that it's so much harder to stay sober in New York. Though it's hard in LA not to go out, it gets lonely. Being an actress is lonely and I never want to be alone. I hate sleeping alone. What I'm about to say is really the kind of behavior that I don't think is acceptable in any scenario. I don't think it matters how famous you are or what problems you're going through. This kind of stuff is unacceptable. So this interviewer, they flew from New York to Los Angeles specifically to interview Lindsay and her publicist called that morning and said, oh, sorry, Lindsay's in New York. <laughs> so the interviewer had to fly back to New York and they asked Lindsay about this and she goes, yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> My little brother and sister really wanted me to stay in New York. And then she shrugged. Like that kind of behavior really does piss me off. And, you know, I've gotten a couple messages that I'm going a little too easy on Lindsay in this series. And I don't agree with that because I'm just trying to be empathetic to this woman who was thrust into the entertainment industry before she could even recite her ABCs. But this kind of shit really pisses me off. Like if that was me, I would be apologizing profusely. I would be mortified if somebody flew across the country to interview me, but she's just like, yeah, you know, whatever, like these things happen. And I think that that's really like being in that celebrity bubble. Sometimes I think celebrities truly don't even notice how much or how big of an asshole they're being. I truly don't. Like I think that their world becomes so warped where there's just all of these people swarming around them all the time and yesing them to death that in her mind she was probably like, oh, whatever. And I hope Lindsay's people had paid for this flight anyway. Like I hope they were flying this interviewer out, but maybe not. I'm not really sure how that works with publications, but so unacceptable, so rude. I, 
I can't. They asked her why she specifically decided to go to rehab and Lindsay was very hesitant. You can tell that she was holding a lot back and she said it was a lot of stuff. It was, you know, drinking. It was, and here she stumbles uncharacteristically over her words but quickly regains her composure. Ultimately, people that are around me in my life know that if I want to do something then I'm going to do it and you can't stand in my way. I'm a tough cookie. And I'm Irish Italian, so I've got a really bad temper. Then she takes a deep drag of her cigarette and says, a lot of it for me was like clearing my head because I'm not really like a crazy addict. I mean, I enjoy having sex. And then she starts cracking up laughing like, what? Like, why would you even bring up sex? Like you were just talking about drinking and you're trying not to reveal too much, yet you just put it right out there. I enjoy having sex. It's like, okay, so do you have a sex addiction too? And this is something that was speculated a lot because Lindsay was always rumored to be dating like 75 different people. So I think there were some people that thought that possibly she had that type of addiction. And who knows? I think that a lot of addicts, they just tend to have addictive personalities and it's very possible to fall into a different type of addiction, even if that's not what you were initially addicted to. So she continues and says, I also think that at Wonderland, they didn't really get that I was working too. I was making a movie and trying to get sober. I can't just sit still somewhere all day. I mean, that was the point of going. But I was working, so I'd be like, okay, wait, I don't understand how I can be going to work, but I can't go take a drive because I need to clear my head because they expect someone to go and get loaded or something. And here she pauses, perhaps remembering that she is still an outpatient at the center, one who is required to go in at regular intervals for tests and who might do well to avoid criticizing it in public. They have to treat everyone as though it's the worst thing possible. It's standard. But I was like, no, I'm just here because there were helicopters outside of my house and I feel safe here and I just want to not be seen out. And I'm a social person. I enjoy music. That's my life. It's not because I'm going out and going crazy. I don't enjoy getting fucked up and I don't do well. But people at Wonderland weren't used to me. They've had other celebrities there, just never as hardcore as me. And then the interviewer asks, what do you mean by hardcore? And she says, I mean like paparazzi sitting outside of the house and taking pictures from far away. Helicopters. The people there didn't get why when we would go to meetings, instead of being in the back of the car, I would be like, I think I should drive because they are going to chase you and it's going to be scary and we might get in an accident and we don't need that. So this whole section of the article is just really, really sad to me because she's just, she sounds like a bratty teenager who's like, oh, my mom just doesn't understand me, you know? I think that the people at Wonderland just don't really get it. They didn't get that I was working. She's saying, I can't sit still all day but I know that was the point of going. She said, I'm working, but then I'm not allowed to leave to go for a drive. And her publicist had said that she wasn't in lockdown, so she supposedly should have been able to go for a drive. And we also saw her out and about. The paparazzi took pictures of her at a few different places. So all of this isn't really adding up, and this is... Uh, an era in Lindsay's life that lasts a very long time where a lot of the things she says just doesn't really add up with what we know to be fact and of course a lot of things could be reported incorrectly or whatever but I think one of the reasons why Lindsay has a reputation for lying is because she does lie in addition to probably getting things mixed up because 
there were times when she wasn't sober. Very interesting article. She clearly was still kind of in denial at this point, and she's saying, I'm not a crazy addict, okay? Like, not me, no way, no siree, not me. Go look at those other celebrities. It's not me. I'm just super famous. That's why I was there, because I'm famous, and I, I just wanted to get away from it all, you know? It's like, oh my gosh. I, again, I have so much empathy for it, because I've known addicts, and I completely understand this process as much as I can as someone who hasn't been through it myself but I get this process of denial you know I mean I have known people that are just so blatantly they have a huge problem and everybody knows about it and their work knows about it their family knows about it it constantly affects everyone and still they're like I don't need to go to AA meetings I'm not that bad yes I get drunk sometimes okay fine I drink every night but it's not out of control I'll just stop like the amount of times I've heard that girl it, it's never true if you have to say that if you if it gets to the point where you have to tell somebody that it's not true so let's talk about the movie Georgia Rule which was released on May 11th 2007 and Lindsay went on a full press tour to promote this film she was blonde again and looked absolutely beautiful on Letterman how did, how did you like uh, working with Jane Fonda by the way amazing she was here last night she, was yeah. Here, yeah. she yeah. told me she was coming here yeah she's great yeah she is unbelievable because uh, on the one hand and I shouldn't be talking about ages uh, but you're 20 Jane Fonda is 70 for God's sakes and and looks yeah. just tremendous and more than looks great has this this palpable sense of vitality it radiates <laughs> she does no yeah. she's amazing yeah. she's incredible she taught me a lot and you know I, I, I really respect her mm -hmm. she was she taught me a lot of things actually <laughs> being on time what kind of things <laughs> what kind of things did you, did... I, you know I, I I was out too late um, a few of the times and I was fighting I had a boyfriend I was fighting with him but I was very immature I was very irresponsible and I understand that yeah, but see that's what you're supposed to do when you're 20 for no, God's sake. not when you have a movie yeah, on your shoulders oh, who cares big deal <laughs> if it if it weren't for you there wouldn't be a damn movie so come in whenever you want come in whenever you want thank you she also did an interview with Conan O'Brien. I've been really lucky to be able to work with these older, amazing actresses that are really warm and just really nice to everyone on set. And they don't... I mean, I got set in line once because I was late, but... I, oh, did, so I heard something about this. Jane Fonda sort of... She, she, she gave you a talking to, is that right? What happened? <laughs> she, well, I was late. I mean, I was, I was being irresponsible. I mean, mm -hmm. I was 19 years old. Right. God forbid I should be late to something one day. But right. it, I was wrong, and I, you know... I thank her for being there for me. So she came and she sort of said, like, you got to get in there. And... No, she was like, everybody's waiting for you when I was walking into set once. Like, right, Thanks. Right. Yeah. So I don't love her bratty attitude that she had during a lot of this press tour. She did admit that during the filming of the movie, she was late. She was irresponsible. She shouldn't have been acting the way that she was acting. But she would say it in kind of this annoyed tone like she was annoyed at her mom for saying hey honey you have to stop being late for school every day you know and she kept saying well I was 19 god forbid a 19 year old is late a few times it's like you're only 20 now like she like I think it's so funny that she was saying that as if now less than a year later she's so much more older and mature and now she can say I was 19 god relax and the thing is, I covered that letter in the last episode. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, please pause this, go back and listen. But 
at the risk of repeating myself, that letter would not have been published publicly if she hadn't done something really bad. She must have really pissed them off. All he said in the letter was basically that, hey, you keep showing up late, you're not going to show up at all today, and apparently that's because you're exhausted and sick but we know that that's not the reason we know that the real reason is because you're out partying every night and we don't buy it so you need to get here every day on time for the rest of the shoot or we're going to hold you financially responsible which means they could have sued her for lost time which means lost money on a movie set you don't publish that if a 19 year old girl is late once or twice because Famous actors are late to set, I mean, kind of often, like that happens, you know? And of course, some are these consummate professionals that get there early and stuff, because why wouldn't you want to get to a movie set early if you're a celebrity? You have a beautiful, lush trailer. You have people that are paid to do anything that you need them to do at a moment's notice. They will get you anything you need. They will do anything that you need. A lot of celebrities actually spend more time on set than you would think because they like getting there early. They like getting into character, listening to music, focusing, meditating, you know, things like that. So for her to be drunkenly coming onto the set after having a bender out all night, that must have happened multiple times and she must have, she must have really done something bad for them to publicly humiliate her like that. Because that really was horrible. Like I said, these things happen all the time, but they're handled in private. And this was handled very publicly. So I really do not have any doubt that this CEO had very legitimate reasons to call her out like that. And I just wish that she had been a little bit more respectful. She just didn't do that. She was just very cavalier. She was just very much like, well, I'm a star and they should have just basically dealt with it. So I don't like that. Lindsay was in Allure magazine and spoke of this whole ordeal. She said, it upset me because I was a bit irresponsible. I didn't think about the consequences, but I was also going through something in my life. Of the script, she said, it's witty and quick. They're swearing in it and everything, but it's like what a real family would be. If I were to win an award, I could only hope that people would recognize me for this type of film so let's talk about this movie okay can we please talk about this movie because I do feel like it's underrated I recently watched it for this podcast I hadn't seen it since it was released and I remember when it was released I didn't really like it but I thought it was kind of cool to see Lindsay in this kind of part and re-watching it especially because I've heard people recently kind of come around on this movie so I went into it with an open mind and fresh eyes and this film deals with some really really serious topics of sexual abuse within the family. Lindsay plays a young girl named Rachel who is this extremely rebellious teenager who drinks and smokes and curses and disobeys her mother all the time and sleeps with all these boys and just generally gives her mother Lily played by Felicity Huffman an extremely hard time. So Her grandmother, named Georgia, played by Jane Fonda, is this very, very strict woman. And Lily moved out of Georgia's house as soon as she could because she was living under such strict Midwestern mother rules. And the reason it's called Georgia Rule is because every time Georgia is laying down the law and somebody protests, Georgia says, Georgia Rule, which means like, non-negotiable you can follow this rule or you can get out of my house and you can tell that Georgia and Lily have their own really complicated mother-daughter relationship so when Rachel is added to the mix things just get even more interesting and basically Rachel is raising such hell 
that Lily can't even handle her daughter anymore. So she sends her to live with Georgia for the summer, hoping that being under such strict rules will help change Rachel into a better person. I think that the dynamic of the three generations of women is so great to watch. All three performances are outstanding. All three of them are struggling with different things. And basically for most of the movie, you're not really sure what exactly happened to Rachel, but she makes certain accusations about her stepfather. Basically, because she is so rebellious and causes all this trouble, I feel like informed people know this girl is suffering. Like she clearly was molested or had something happen to her that is causing her to act out like this. But some other people maybe view it as, well, she lies, she's irresponsible, she causes all of these problems. Maybe she is lying and maybe she is accusing this man of something that he didn't do. And then there's this other character played by Dermot Mulroney who, can we talk about him? I, I love Dermot Mulroney. He's one of those actors that has shown up in like a hundred movies in the past 30 years and every single time he is just an utter delight like even when he's playing a jerk, which he doesn't play a jerk in this movie, he plays a sweetheart. He is just so appealing to me. I don't know, like it's not just that he's good looking. There's just something about him. I don't know. This is now a Dermot Mulroney stan account. I love the character that he plays. He plays this unassuming vet in this small town of Idaho where they're supposed to be, even though they filmed it in LA. He and Rachel have this really interesting relationship where she's coming on to him and stuff because she basically thinks that all men are just disgusting pigs and if given the chance to sleep with her, they will. And she almost uses that as a way to try to figure out if a guy is decent or not because obviously if you're a 17 year old girl and you're hitting on a 40 year old guy and he takes the bait then that's not a great person so she kind of uses it to prove to herself well all men are horrible and they only want me for one thing and this guy kind of proves to her that that's not the case and there actually are some decent guys out there and he's not interested in sleeping with her and he is a nice, normal, decent guy. And that kind of dynamic in a movie, I love. I don't know why, but anytime there's like a man and a woman in a movie, especially if it's like an older man and a young girl and there's tension, but they don't actually sleep together. I love that because maybe I have the same like men or trash thoughts and movies like that just kind of it's just a nice dynamic to see two people lean more into a friendship than anything else like that kind of pure relationship that isn't about sex I really enjoy seeing so that's one of my favorite elements of the movie and overall I think the problem with this film and why it was poorly reviewed is I mean obviously everything that happened with Lindsay was distracting and I'm sure that was the only thing people were thinking about when they went to see this movie if they went to see it at all which it didn't do very well so a lot of people didn't see it but I think that the script is just really bad like I don't like the dialogue very much it's poorly written and it needed a few more passes and I think it would have been a much better movie if they had just edited the script a few more times or maybe had somebody else come on and edit the script because there are good themes there and I think that this movie would be much more well received today 
because there's a little bit more nuance in the public and in society and in media about mental health and about trauma and how trauma affects people and what it might lead them to do in different ways that they may act. I think if you're a performer especially, you should watch this movie just because it's so awesome seeing these three super dynamic actresses playing three generations of women and all of the complications that go along with those familial relationships and then you throw in something as dark and devastating as sexual abuse. I mean, it's it's a compelling film. It is. There's something there. There is something to this film. It's not just a throwaway movie like Just My Luck or something like that, you know? There is something there. I just think that audiences weren't necessarily ready for it. And then I also think that in a lot of ways, the movie is not great. But Lindsay does a very good job with her character. And her character is super annoying at times. Like I think a lot of people compared Lindsay in real life to this character because like I said, she's this like teenage, rebellious, hard drinking, smoking, dating all these guys type of girl. And that was what Lindsay was doing at the time. And she wasn't really trying to hide from her bad girl image at all. Like I think she really enjoyed the fact that she was playing this type of character and then next she was going to be playing a stripper. I think she really wanted to be seen as grown up and different and separating herself from other actresses in Hollywood and separating herself from the Disney image. And I think that this character, while at times it's hard to watch, it actually is really meaningful for Lindsay to have played this part. Look, I just drove over here to tell you that Harlan and I, we're just friends now. Nothing's gonna happen again, I promise. Scout's honor. So you guys can go and do whatever it is you do. I don't know, have your summer fun. And tell June that we're apart, even if we're not apart, because nothing's gonna happen, and whatever has happened has happened already, so that's the end of it. Fine. And why don't you just go home and leave us all alone? Okay, see, I tried to be nice. Let me put this a different way, because you're not really getting it right now. If you call me a name, if you throw something at me ever again, if I see you talking to Harlan, yelling at Harlan, having anything at all to do with Harlan, I will find all of your boyfriends and I will fuck them stupid. Okay? Get it? Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. Have a good summer. I'm gonna pray for her. This film was not very well reviewed. Right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 18% on the tomato meter. Yikes. It deserves higher than that. I mean, come on. And 52% on the audience vote. So that's a little bit better. I'm glad, like I said, I do think people are coming around to this movie. The film's budget was 20 million and the total gross was only 25 million. So while it did recoup the cost to make it still was very much considered a failure especially when you have these three women which are big stars I mean not just Lindsay Jane Fonda is an icon and then Felicity Huffman at the time was starring in Desperate Housewives so this was a big deal and I think you know I feel bad for the other actors and basically everybody who worked on the film because this was kind of bogged down by the drama with Lindsay. Now you wouldn't know it because all of the actors came out and talked about how lovely Lindsay was and especially Jane Fonda. I mean she was asked about it in like every single interview she did including the year before when she was promoting another movie people were already asking her about it. And Jane said, too much was made of it by the press. Everything was pretty good. We were on time, on budget, and it's a really good movie. 
When Lindsay was there, she was fully there. She knew her lines and was emotionally totally present. She draws on her emotions like no actress I've ever seen. Lindsay responded to this and said, Jane made me cry today, actually. She just said the nicest things and it was really heartfelt. It was really cool that she said that and she defended me with all of the press stuff. And saying that, it wasn't like the media's portrayal. She didn't have to deal with things like this and I respect that and I admire her in so many other ways. Felicity Huffman said, I adore her. I think she's phenomenally talented. She's fantastic in the movie and she's a complete delight to be with, so I love her. Felicity was also asked about Lindsay in People magazine and she says, Once people see the movie, God willing, the performances will eclipse any gossip. People always love gossip whether it's true or not. To me, Lindsay was a complete and utter delight. The minute I met her, I just loved her. She meets you with an open heart and wide open eyes and gets right in there. She cares about the work. She throws herself in 100%. I just adored her. She's fantastic in the movie. It doesn't get any better than what she did. Brilliant. So I think that's really relevant, right? That to this day, has any co-star of Lindsay's ever complained about her? Honestly, like, I don't know of that. Maybe I will find something as I continue on in this saga, but I really haven't seen anything like that. And I think that that speaks volumes, that even when it's documented fact that she's late to set and causing a problem, these people still have nothing negative to say about her. That's amazing. By the way, one of my favorite quotes that I read about Lindsay on this actually wasn't really praise, but it wasn't, it wasn't really negative either. It was Gary Marshall, the director, who also directed a little film called Pretty Woman and Overboard. I mean, he's, he's great. He's directed so many wonderful films. He said that Lindsay was so orange when she got to set because of her spray tan that they had to add a line about it in the movie. And... Lindsay confessed, I don't remember what talk show it was, but she confessed that the reason that she was late is because she was spray tanning in the trailer, which I don't believe because obviously the partying was well documented and there's no way that that guy would have published that letter just because she's spray tanning in the trailer. Like, <laughs> but I don't doubt that that's probably one of the many reasons why she could not seem to show up on time. So what's interesting is that on Rotten Tomatoes, they always have like a one or two sentence summary of what the reviews state. So if you don't want to read all of the reviews, you can just kind of check out that one line and get a snapshot of what these people were saying. And what it says for Georgia Rule is comedic and dramatic in all the wrong places. Georgia Rule is a confused dramedy that wastes the talents of its fine cast. And I completely disagree with that. I don't think it's comedic and dramatic in all the wrong places. I think people were so uncomfortable with a movie that explores such dark topics as child sexual abuse that also has jokes in it, right? And also has some silly moments. I think people didn't really know where to place this movie. It was like, okay, let's have this like dark drama or let's have this family comedy. We don't want both. And I think that it was actually really brave of them to mix that together because when you're going through trauma and abuse, it's not just a constant everything is dark, everything is horrible, right? Because you're still living your life. So you still have to deal with other things. You still have to deal with your crazy grandma who has these ridiculous rules. You still have to find a way to get through school and get along with your mom. And there's a lot of humor in things like that. So I think I personally love movies like this that deal with dark themes, but also have comedy in them because that's 
the way life is. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my own life I've gone from crying to laughing and then back to crying, you know? So I actually think dramedy is really my favorite genre of movie. And these types of movies, unfortunately, just don't get made anymore. Like these mid-budget studio dramedies with big stars and semi-big supporting cast you know it's just I wish that more of them existed but it's hard for them to find a place in today's market. The New York Times says the movie really belongs to Ms. Fonda and Miss Lohan actresses whose formidable skill is often underestimated and overshadowed by off-screen notoriety. Ms. Lohan in particular has been subjected recently to the purient punitive gaze of an internet gossip culture that takes special delight in the humiliation of young women with shaky discipline and an appetite for fun. The joke in Georgia Rule is that she is playing a version of her tabloid persona, a needy, reckless young woman whose self-confidence verges on self-destructive. The surprise is that she does it with such poise and intelligence. As written, Rachel is complicated to the point of contradiction. Lost child, femme fatale, brainiac, and brat squeezed into a series of short dresses. Somehow Ms. Lohan connects these disparate, clashing elements into a single convincing performance. So speaking of her dresses, Lindsay wears almost the same thing during this whole entire movie, which, and, and has the same look during the whole movie. Like her hair is just long and flowy and loose and she wears all of these dresses or tops that are not form-fitting at all. They're just very summery, almost hippie-ish type of looks. I like that they did that. Like I like that she has a really consistent style in the film. And also her style doesn't really go with her character, which I think is interesting. Like I would expect her character to be outfitted in more edgy type of clothing, but they put her in soft color palettes and stuff, which I think is really interesting. So one of the reviews that I really liked is actually not a professional review. It's from a woman who I believe I saw give this review on IMDb. Her name is Jacqueline Hill, not the makeup girl. <laughs> I don't know who she is. I don't know anything about her, but I liked what she wrote about this movie. So I'm going to read it. She says, I don't think people who don't typically watch dramas understand the true meaning of this movie. It isn't supposed to be a wholesome chick flick dazzling with glamorous outfits and a standard plotline. It's a movie about toxic family environments, addiction, gaslighting, sexual assault, manipulation, and grooming. Highly underrated, raw, and riveting. Jane Fonda is such a lovable, stern, and stubborn matriarch figure caring for her crazed daughter and Hellraiser granddaughter. It demonstrates healing from severe trauma given the support of people surrounding a victim and also shows how positive male figures can come into women's lives and nurture them in a way that doesn't revolve around sexual gratification but instead father-like love. I really loved this movie and I think it has a very uplifting end message. It's played up to be some coming-of-age movie but it's much deeper. Definitely don't listen to harsh male critique in most of these reviews because they clearly don't understand the pain and damage that absent father figures and manipulative men leave on women. Not to mention there is a lot of symbolism throughout the whole movie if you keep your eye out. I thought that was a great review and why only stick to the professional critics? I mean, what anyone thinks is just as important as a famous critic. The audiences are the ones who make movies big or not. And I think in the future, I'm going to look for more reviews just from normal people. I usually go on Letterboxd, but I haven't been doing that with 
this series, but it's one of my favorite things to do after I watch a movie to just go on Letterboxd and check out what people are saying. So Lindsay was actually the face of the high fashion brand Mew Mew for the spring and summer collection, and she looks so gorgeous and high fashion in the ads. She has perfect styled bright red hair, which I love. We always love a red haired Lindsay moment. So Lindsay was also on the cover of Elle magazine and they didn't just talk to Lindsay, they also talked to Dina. The interviewer asked Dina if she is worried about her daughter's continuing late nights out. And she replies, Lindsay is so much more protected being a star. She's either being photographed or the security guy is with her. She gets more supervision than most kids. You know that ad. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Well, I know where my daughter is. And it's funny because she's right. I've actually had that cross my mind before. Like, as terrible as the intrusiveness would be about being famous, like, imagine if you could afford 24-hour security. Like, you could afford somebody sitting outside of your house to make sure nobody breaks in. You could afford to have somebody walking down the street with you, like, men don't realize how hard it is sometimes to be a woman. Like, I literally have to plan my whole evening around how am I going to get home? How do I have to walk far? Oh, I can't park there because I don't want to walk that far back to my car. You know, things like that that you would just have to think about all the time. And when you're famous, you just don't have to think about that. The magazine also asked Lindsay who was taking care of her because she was still kind of fresh out of rehab. And one of the most important things when you leave rehab is that you need support. And Lindsay said her mom, Dina, her assistant, Jenny, and her publicist, Leslie Sloan Zelnick. I mean, I guess I admire Lindsay for giving an honest answer. I probably just would have been like, oh, my family and friends are here for me all the time, blah, blah, blah. But when you name three people that are all on your payroll as the people that are taking care of you, I just don't think that that's a good sign. They also quoted casting director Bonnie Timmerman, who co-produced Georgia Rule. Bonnie said, It's the pain of her childhood that makes her so interesting on screen. The director of I Know Who Killed Me, Chris Siverston, says, It's impossible to put the camera in a bad place for her. And then Elle adds, so why shouldn't she love it back? We're riveted by their relationship. So I just think that that quote, particularly from Bonnie Timmerman, it's the pain of her childhood that makes her so interesting on screen. I mean, could you make it any more clear (laughs) that you don't care about this human being and only care about exploiting her? This woman might as well have just said, she's so fucked up and we're making all the money from it. Ha 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 ha. I mean, it's literally like a cartoon villain. Like, that's something a cartoon villain would say. It's beyond. She was also on the cover of Allure magazine. You can see, like, she's on tons of magazine covers. She's on tons of TV shows. Lindsay is still popping, okay? Like, around this time, Lindsay is still being taken slightly seriously. She's hanging on by a thread. But at this point, it was still kind of in this territory of, like, ooh, she's a bad girl movie star, which is kind of cool. She might be inconsiderate and rude to the cast and crew of her movies by showing up late and partying all night, but hey, she looks really good in editorial fashion, so let's throw her on our cover once again. So Lindsay told the magazine that she found it weird that she actually ended up going to Wonderland, and she says, I always said I would die before I go to rehab. 
Well, thank God she didn't, because she literally could have. She revealed that one of her biggest problems is that she tries too hard to make others happy while not taking stock of what's going on with herself, which I completely understand that she really gives off that vibe of just go, 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 don't worry about anything until you've left a tornado of destruction in your path and you have nothing left. That's very Lindsay. It's very hard to live your life as a double life, to make myself happy as well as everyone else, because that's just in me, to keep everyone around me happy. You forget. You lose track of taking care of yourself. She was also on the cover of Radar Magazine holding a gun, which again is very much Lindsay trying to build up this bad sexy girl image like it's just so cliche that she would hold a gun it's <laughs> you know it's like okay enough already the headline stated that she was waging a war with the paparazzi and then soon after she attended the Met Gala in a Brian Atwood gown now this Met Gala okay you guys I'm gonna just say this I'm probably gonna get attacked by some of you but this Met Gala existed in a time before the Met Gala was a complete circus act. Yes, I said it. This was when the Met Gala was actually more about fashion than just getting the most attention. And go look up 2007 Met Gala. It's an interesting one. This is the one that Jessica Simpson went to with John Mayer and she looks positively miserable the entire time it's really not one of her best looks at all either Cameron Diaz has an iconic look from this evening the Olsen twins I mean it's 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 a good one like considering how horrible things were going in Hollywood for all our girls it's actually pretty impressive also one of my favorite all-time favorite couples in history David Bowie and Iman went to this looking like perfection if you don't know anything about that couple and you just you want to read some celebrity gossip that is actually nice and will give you a nice feeling, just Google David Bowie Amon. It's oh, I love them. I love their love story. But I digress. That's a story for another episode. So like I've said many times, Lindsay was really trying to become a fashion girl. And not only was she getting invited to the Met Gala with Brian Atwood, and not only was she the face of Mew Mew, but she also became the face of Jill Stewart. And Jill Stewart said, I can't say enough fantastic things about Lindsay. She is sexy and smart, exactly what the Jill Stewart woman embodies. See? So many people were saying so many great things about Lindsay at this point still. The next few years gets depressing, but we're we're holding on by a little tiny, like a little teeny tiny thread. Mario Sorrenti took the black and white photos of a blonde Lindsay wearing basically all black ensembles. She looks like a model in the pictures. Like Lindsay is living her best fashion girl life right before things kind of go off the deep end. So good for her. So here we go. Unfortunately, on May 26, 2007, Lindsay was arrested in Beverly Hills after a car accident and charged with DUI, possession of cocaine, and misdemeanor hit and run. Lieutenant Mitch McCann of the Beverly Hills Police Department said that Lohan, who is just three months out of rehab, could be facing additional felony counts after officers recovered a usable amount of additional contraband identified as cocaine. McCann said Lohan was not carrying the substance, but declined to say where it was found. So she probably stuffed it underneath her seat or something when she knew she was going to get in trouble. That's what I'm guessing. 
A photographer for X-17 had been shadowing Lohan. It's like, no wonder why she's going off the fucking deep end. Some random middle-aged guy is shadowing her to take her picture of her every move. Like, I'm not excusing her behavior. Obviously, driving out of influence is never, ever acceptable, especially when you are a multi-millionaire who can get a ride home easier than anybody else on planet Earth. But still, I just feel like, I mean, it's just so weird how casual these sentences. It's like, oh yeah, the guy that was stalking her and who has been stalking her since she was 15 probably uh, said that here's what happened. You know, it's like, oh, good thing he was around to report to TMZ and everybody else what happened. Like, it's like, it's sick. It really, this whole, honestly, I'm going to make the broadest statement ever, but this whole celebrity thing is insane. It's insane. But anyways, okay. So this stalker paparazzo guy says that Lindsay and two friends had been chauffeured around by her bodyguard for a night of club hopping until 5 a.m. And then she went back to her house and got her own car and was speeding down sunset. She lost control. She plowed over a curb and into some trees. So she's lucky to be alive. Can you imagine, like, if that was the news story? I mean, God forbid, like, Lindsay Lohan dead at 20. You know what I mean? Like, that could have so easily happened. And by the way, this is a little off topic, but, but I was thinking the other day, can you believe that Britney was never arrested during the whole 2006 through 2008 era? That's amazing. I usually don't give people credit for not getting arrested because I don't think that people deserve credit for not breaking the law. But when you just think of how much Britney was going through and what had happened in her life up until then, her mental health issues, the divorce she was going through, the beginnings of the conservatorship starting to take place. Can you believe that that woman was never caught drunk driving? She was never caught with drugs on her. She never hurt anybody. She never smashed into anything. I mean, Lindsay was hospitalized and got into more car crashes by the time she was 20 than Britney has her whole life. I feel like that really says something about Britney. Like, I know that everybody already loves Britney and always gives her the benefit of the doubt, but we should even more. Like, the fact that she managed to stay out of trouble... In in that sense, I mean, she was she, she faced a lot of trouble, but she wasn't making court appearances every other week. You know, anytime Britney's been in court, it's been to handle her conservatorship or something with her divorce. I just want to give Britney credit for that, and I want to give Lindsay credit for even being alive after this shit, honestly. Because this is, this is the tip of the iceberg, what I'm saying right now. Anyways, by the time the police arrived on the scene of where Lindsay's Mercedes was crashed into trees, Lindsay was gone and the car had been moved to a nearby condo complex. And this is the lieutenant saying this, so not even the paparazzo. I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, what... Did she drive the smashed car to the complex? Did she call somebody to do it for her? Like... What the hell happened? So uh, the police eventually tracked Lindsay down at Century City Hospital. She was arrested at the hospital, but not taken into custody because she needed to receive treatment for non-life-threatening injuries to her upper chest area. She had been driven to the hospital by a friend. Luckily, nobody else was hurt in the crash, and Lindsay's car was towed and brought to the impound. The police turned over the case to the LA District Attorney, and it was their decision on what charges to file, and Lindsay was ordered to appear in court at the Beverly Hills Courthouse on August 24th. A couple days later, Lindsay's representative gave a statement to TMZ. 
Lindsay admitted herself to an intensive medical rehabilitation facility on Memorial Day. Because this is a medical matter, it is our hope that the press will appreciate the seriousness of the situation and respect the privacy of Lindsay, as well as any other patients receiving treatment at the facility. The facility was, of course, the famous Promises Rehab in Malibu, California, where many celebrities, including... Matthew Perry, Britney Spears, Ben Affleck, Charlie Sheen, Christian Slater, Andy Dick have gone. I mean, the list goes on. Because we're talking about Lindsay here, of course, like 10 scandalous things happened while she was in rehab without her even doing anything new. One of them was these spectacularly ridiculous photos of her came out. But she wasn't alone in these photos. Oh no, oh no. Mrs. Lachey... Mrs. Vanessa Lachey was also in the photos, but there was a third character in these photos, and that character was a kitchen knife. In these pictures, Lindsay and Vanessa look absolutely wasted out of their gourds. Like, (laughs) around this time, I feel like every single time Lindsay was seen, anytime there were any pictures of her anywhere, people were like, oh, she looks drunk, she looks high, or oh, she's probably wasted, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes she's just like walking down the street and it's really not fair. No. (laughs) No. If you have never seen these pictures before, I mean, I don't even know why you're listening to this podcast. If not, so please just right now type into Google Lindsay Lohan, Vanessa, Manilo, knife pictures. These were iconic. And I'm not even 100% sure why because... I mean, Vanessa Manillo, like, who really cares about her, honestly? Like, does she have stands? I'm so curious because I don't, I mean, if Lindsay was doing this with, like, Paris or Britney, yes, I would have lost my shit, but I don't know. The thing to me that is just most alarming is how Lindsay looks so high that she almost looks like a different person, especially in the picture where the knife is in her mouth and Vanessa is holding another knife. And it looks like Vanessa's about to cut Lindsay's spaghetti strap. And then there's another one where Lindsay also has the knife in her mouth and it looks like Vanessa is shoving the knife into her top. And then there's another one, perhaps the most scandalous one, where Lindsay is holding the knife to Vanessa's neck whilst smoking a cigarette. Just so you know, Lindsay was always smoking a cigarette at this time. So just until further notice, Lindsay was smoking a cigarette. I'm not even going to say it every single time. Just until I tell you different, Lindsay was smoking a cigarette, okay? And yeah, I mean, these, these pictures are weird for sure, but... People get messed up and they do messed up things. It is a little alarming though because obviously like they just look so wasted that you have to wonder how close they actually got to cutting each other. I mean not on purpose but I think an accident could have very easily happened. And then I don't know how people know where this took place but it seems to be common knowledge and I can't really find a distinct source but it seems to be common knowledge that this happened at sean lennon's apartment so were these pictures taken by john lennon's son sean i just uh why i mean imagine being the son of one of the most legendary people on planet earth you've been left a fortune You can do anything with your time. I mean, you can travel anywhere. You can make music. You could do any job. You you could afford anything. 
And you're spending your time taking photos of Lindsay Lohan holding a knife to Vanessa Manillo's neck? I can't. It's very weird to think of it being Sean Lennon, but apparently there are candid photos of Lindsay and Vanessa walking outside of Sean Lennon's apartment. So I guess that's where people get that from. And Lindsay was hanging out with Sean sometime around when she was filming Chapter 27. So I don't know, but people seem to be convinced that he had something to do with this. The other completely insane thing that happened (laughs) while Lindsay was in rehab is that Pure Nightclub in Las Vegas announced that they would be hosting Lindsay's birthday party with special guest Lindsay herself. And they released this really weird photoshopped ad for it that made it look very glamorous, of course. You know, Lindsay Lohan's 21st birthday party at Pure Nightclub. And of course, this was mind-bogglingly insane because Lindsay was in rehab for the second time and was facing possible jail time for crashing her car while under the influence and fleeing the scene and being caught with cocaine. Yet she's scheduled to do a club appearance on her 21st birthday in the biggest party town in the world. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's like, it's beyond, right? It's beyond. Like, it's so insanely ridiculous. If you count, Lindsay entered rehab on Memorial Day. She was supposed to do a 45-day program at Promises. July 2nd isn't even 45 days from Memorial Day, so they were actually suggesting that Lindsay was going to leave rehab for her 21st birthday bash in Vegas. I I just can't. I can't do this. Oh, that's one thing that I forgot to mention about the Georgia Rule press tour, which is, again, so bizarre. During the entire Georgia Rule press tour, people keep asking her about her 21st birthday, and she keeps saying that she's having a party in Vegas. What will you do on your 21st uh, birthday? Um, I think I'm going to Vegas doing a party there because... Is that a good idea? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. But I think... Here's the thing. I've never been allowed out anywhere in Vegas. They're so strict there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big gambler. I'd rather go shopping um, and buy clothes. But, I, don't, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. I have to go to Vegas for my 21st. It makes sense for all the wrong reasons. Uh, of course. Yeah. But but again, I'm on your side here. I mean, if you can't go to Vegas and go nuts, will you go nuts while you're no. in Vegas? Huh? No. Well, you might as well go to Muncie then if you're not going to go nuts. Uh, I'll have like a dinner with my family. You have a dinner with your family? Okay, that's not great. Not in Vegas. No, but... of course not in Vegas. Why bring the family to Vegas? <laughs> uh, but see, uh, if... I'm not going to be getting like, I'm not going to be eloping. That will not happen. Yeah, no, we don't want you to elope. <laughs> Even at the time when she had only done the one rehab stay, people were like, is that the best idea for Lindsay Lohan to have a 21st birthday party in Vegas? And I feel like she was saying it over and over. She said it on every single talk show because she wanted to come off like, fuck all of you. I don't care. I am still going to drink. I'm still going to party. It's my 21st birthday. I'm hosting a big party in Vegas. I'm probably going to get paid half a million dollars just for standing there and drinking. Fuck you. I can do whatever I want. Because why else would you say that on every talk show unless you were trying to get the attention of like, yeah, you want me to be this good little girl and I'm not going to do it. And I'm not listening to you anymore. I don't work for Disney anymore. I don't care. That was very much the vibe that she was giving off. So once again, Lindsay was photographed leaving rehab during the day. And this time she wasn't making a movie. So she didn't have that excuse as to why she was only going to rehab at night. But she was seen going to the gym 
And remember how I said, uh, just assume she has a cigarette in her hand or in her mouth until further notice. She would go to the gym and then she would be photographed outside the gym smoking, which is just like, (laughs) I feel like it's one of those things where it's just like, you just got to get handed to her for doing something. She might be canceling out all the good she just did in the gym by smoking, but at least she went to the gym, you know? And of course, people had a lot to say about her gym trips because they were like, wait, you're paying how many thousands of dollars for this rehab program? They don't have a gym at Promises. Is that real? Like, how could they possibly not have a gym? But you are allowed personal time in many rehab programs and you can go wherever you want and you're going to get drug tested when you come back, obviously. So they let you have some freedom. You're not in quarantine right so Lindsay was allowed to get out and go to the gym and at least she was seen doing something that would better herself and not seen you know stabbing an MTV VJ or something so it was an improvement also while in rehab Lindsay was replaced in the John Mayberry film the best time of our lives which she was supposed to co-star in with Kira Knightley And Lindsay was dropped from the film because she, quote, botched a medical for the film's insurance, which means I guess she was undergoing some type of testing or a physical in order to secure the film's insurance. And by botched, I don't know what that means. That could mean that she didn't show up for it. That could mean that they drug tested her and she failed. I'm not really sure exactly, but Lindsay was supposed to start filming this movie really soon. And she was forced to withdraw because the insurance company just would not approve her. And it ended up becoming a movie called The Edge of Love, which I've never seen. But John Mayberry actually gave a great quote to the Daily Mail about this. And he said, What upsets me about Lindsay is that the people claiming bits of her paycheck should be looking after her as a human being. Remember what I just said? How she said the three people that were caring for her and those three people were on her payroll? He continued, From Clara Bow of the silent era to Marilyn Monroe in the 50s, there have always been these talented, beautiful women who deserve help from the people who are making fortunes off them. He added, I will work with her at some point because her personal intelligence in the end is what's going to save her. Again, I just have to repeat, I think it's remarkable, remarkable that she was in this much trouble and she still had directors and actors and, you know, people in the business saying these amazingly beautiful things about her. If you notice in this series, if you if you've been in this long haul with me and you've listened to all my episodes, first of all, thank you so much. Second of all. I mean, think about all of the comments I've read from other people. And it's never just a generic, oh, Lindsay's great. She's fun to work with. She's so talented. It's never that. It's always, it's this detailed praise. I mean, he said her personal intelligence in the end is what's going to save her. What a beautiful thing to say about somebody who's struggling and in rehab. And let me tell you something. The rest of the world was not so nice to Lindsay during this era. I I mean, the comments, of course, I'm going through all these old posts and forums and all this stuff. And the comments, I mean, there's nobody rooting for her. There's nobody saying, we love you, Lindsay. You are so great in Mean Girls and Parent Trap and we love you. Keep going. You can do it. There was none of that. It was people mocking her. I'm not even going to read any of the comments because I don't even want to bring that negativity from years ago 
into this, but it's really sad to not only be going through something as difficult as substance abuse and addiction, but to feel like the world is rooting against you. I think that that's just so depressing. On June 21st, it was announced that Lindsay Lohan's 21st birthday bash in Vegas was canceled and her reps claimed that they canceled it weeks before and that pure just put up the ad to garner press for themselves which is most likely true i mean how could they not cancel that as soon as she entered rehab it shouldn't even have been her 21st birthday in the first place held in a vegas nightclub come on i mean at that point it's kind of like uh putting a hat on a hat a few days later Lindsay's mother dina was at an event in new york and people magazine approached her and asked how Lindsay was doing. Dina said, I talk to her every day. She's going to do Promises Extended Care Program, which is designed to help people make the transition from residential alcohol or drug rehab treatment back into their community. It includes a 12-step program and group therapy. So things were looking up for Lindsay. Not only did she have a plan on how to transition from rehab back into her normal life, her birthday was also right around the corner and she got to leave rehab to celebrate in Malibu with her family and friends. She rented a beach house in the same area where celebrities like Julia Roberts and Reese Witherspoon and Leo DiCaprio all have Malibu mansions on the beach. And the pictures of her, you might remember, she looks so gorgeous in these pictures. She looks healthy. She looks happy. She looks so happy. She has blonde hair and it's braided. And she's wearing this bikini that's black on the top and the bottom is like blue stripes with anchors. She has a camera in her hands in most of the pictures. And you can also see her little sister and her mom in a lot of them. And Lindsay is taking pictures, laughing, smiling so big. I guess it could have been staged, but it just had such an authentic feeling for me. And then later on at night, there are photos of her wearing a tiara. It's so, so cute. She has long, like really long, beautiful blonde hair. And she's like smiling really big with her mouth open in front of her cake. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Lindsay 21st birthday, July 2nd, 2007. Because you have to see how great she looked at this time and how just cute and adorable she looked and happy and healthy. That was the key. We had seen her look not so healthy in the past and this was like a whole new Lindsay. So then Lindsay heads back to rehab fresh off of her happy birthday celebration. The PR machine keeps on rolling. It's time to start promoting the illustrious film, I Know Who Killed Me. Lindsay was on the cover of LA Confidential magazine, which, what is that? But this was an exclusive interview with her, and it was a real interview. They didn't just BBM her. So this is a pretty good interview. She talks about her character in I Know Who Killed Me, so we're going to start getting into this now. Uh, (laughs) She says, it's the best film I could imagine being a part of yikes what (laughs) I mean I know you have to say shit like this when you're promoting a movie regardless of how you feel about it but it's the best film I could imagine being a part of she continues I play a girl who's abducted by a serial killer she's an exotic dancer it's difficult to fully explain her without giving away the whole film I had to learn to walk with a prosthetic leg it's my first really intense role I was doing it when I was in treatment so that was a lot the magazine asks will your fans be shocked by the film and she says yes 
Definitely. I was shocked by the film because I was shocked how something could be so bad. But I wasn't shocked in the same way that Lindsay wanted me to be, I think. She says that she deliberately chose a role that would contrast with the others that she's known for. And she says, I always try to pick a character with an arc in the film. You don't come across characters like this very often. I don't expect people to relate to her necessarily, but I wanted to give life to her. The script is just so incredible. I read it and it felt like Silence of the Lambs, something I've always dreamed of finding. The fact that she... (laughs) I love Lindsay so much. She had mentioned Jodie Foster in the past as one of her biggest inspirations as an actress. And she said that she's wanted a career like Jodie Foster. And she was also compared to Jodie Foster because obviously Jodie Foster was a child star who starred in Freaky Friday. And Lindsay remade that movie. So she was constantly referencing or being referenced with Jodie Foster. And so here she says, I read I Know Who Killed Me and I felt like Silence of the Lambs. Bless Lindsay's heart and soul. She walked on the set thinking this was going to be her Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs role. I have tears in my eyes. She probably was thinking that she was getting an Oscar from this. They asked, what does a psychological thriller allow you to do as an actor? And she says, in this case, the things I go through are so dramatic. I do a lot of crying in scenes. At one point, my character takes a bunch of pills. I didn't know how to approach the challenge, so I just dove in. She experiences things I certainly hope to never go through in real life. I also get to dance in the film, which I love to do. And they point out that by dancing, she means stripping, which stripping is dancing, but you know, They just needed to clarify that. And uh, she says that she was a little nervous. She was a little shaky doing it, but she had friends on the set. And in the end, she wasn't nervous because when she was in costume, she could really get in it and then the scene would go great. She says, it doesn't come across as cheesy or gross or like, oh, she just wanted to take her clothes off. I disagree. I think that's exactly how it came off. Like to me, this movie, because it was so bad and Lindsay knows the difference between a bad script and a good script, right? Because she's been reading some really amazing scripts and she was since she could read probably, right? So I don't know. I just it does come off as gratuitous to me, especially because the movie opens with just a stripping sequence of Lindsay. And you can argue that they do this and you're not supposed to be sure which twin it is, which I will, (laughs) I'll explain the premise of this film a little later if you are uh, lost. I'm still lost, even though I've seen it like three or four times over the years. But anyways, Lindsay isn't even naked in the movie, even though she's playing a stripper. She is never topless. I mean, it's, we barely even see her be that sexy, honestly, but like, I don't know. It, it's 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 awkward too because they. I mean, the stripping scenes aren't exactly wowing. Uh, I, and I'm not even saying Lindsay was bad at stripping, but she's just kind of gyrating next to the pole. Like she doesn't do any of the really difficult moves that strippers have to do every single night, multiple times a night. When I saw Hustlers, I was so insanely respectful of J Lo and in admiration of her, not only for doing that, but doing it at fifty. And you could tell that she really trained because the things that her character Ramona did on that poll, girl, that would take me six months to get right, okay? (laughs) And you can see how muscular she is when she's on that pole. Like we've all seen her body on stage over the years dancing and we've known her shape and she was more muscular than you had ever seen her eat. Like, it wasn't even close how muscular she had been in the past compared to how she was now. I mean, 
it was just amazing. Like you were truly wowed. And so even though this was a stripper role, a lot of people who would be judgmental of an actress for taking a role as a stripper instead were like, wow, you know, like this is, this is worth it. This is a really fantastic scene that helps establish who this character is. Whereas in I Know Who Killed Me, it's just Lindsay like with her back to the pole and her arm up and her mouth open. It's just not, there's not really a lot going on. So even though it is kind of mysterious, it's not really that intriguing, honestly. It just felt like, oh, here's Lindsay trying to be a bad girl again. Lindsay was released from rehab on Friday, July 13th when she completed her 45 days of residential and extended care treatment at Promises. Her representative says, Lindsay has transitioned to an intensive outpatient program which includes attendance at daily AA meetings, outpatient therapy, and daily testing. On her own, she has also made the decision in support of her sobriety to wear an alcohol monitoring bracelet. In part, she is wearing the bracelet so there are no questions about her sobriety if she chooses to go dancing or dining in a place where alcohol is served. She's doing great. Lindsay is working hard on her sobriety and we are all supporting her. Of course, a day after she is released, Lindsay goes to Pure Nightclub in Vegas where she was supposed to have her 21st birthday. She was wearing the bracelet, so allegedly she only drank Red Bull energy drinks and sparkling water. But is Pure the best place to go the day after you get out of rehab, Lindsay? I, I love you, girl. I'm not laughing at you. It's, I mean, who else could I do a series this long and this detailed on? I mean, the day after. Our girl couldn't even wait a week. She was like, I am ready for Vegas. I've been in this dump for 45 days. They don't even have a gym that I like. I'm going to Pure. I, I just, I can't. Lindsay. <sighs> On July 19th, Lindsay turned herself in to the Beverly Hills PD so that she could be officially arrested for her May DUI. So in other words, she came quietly. She was held in custody for about an hour and she was released on $30,000 bail. On July 22nd, Lindsay was photographed at the Polaroid Beach House wearing her alcohol monitoring bracelet. Now these pictures are iconic. I can very comfortably say that. Please Google them if you don't know what I'm talking about. I will literally never forget when these pictures hit the internet. It was just too much. Like Lindsay looking so confident modeling these bikinis and posing for pictures while she has this huge black alcohol monitoring bracelet on her ankle. I mean, it was wild. And of course, she got relentlessly mocked. But I kind of think it was like punk rock for her to do this almost because like she's saying yeah I'm I'm wearing an alcohol monitoring bracelet it might not be my favorite thing about myself but yeah this is my reality I'm not gonna stay inside and not have any fun in my life after working really hard to get sober I want to be out and about and I know you're gonna take my picture and I don't care it's just funny because she looks so pretty and confident in the pictures. Like, you would never think an alcohol monitoring bracelet is tied around her ankle, completely clashing with her bikinis. 
but it is. <laughs> she looks really happy too in the one where she's wearing the blue and white bikini and she's like smiling and she has a headband on and she's giving the peace sign like she looks like a, a hippie girl or something and it's just so funny like she has these gold heels on with the monitoring bracelet like it's just a it's just a I'm not making fun of her but it's just a very priceless piece of pop culture for me and if you were on the internet around this time and like in the stand community of checking up on these girls every day and all that kind of stuff you died when this came out I mean you died and went to heaven these are some of the most iconic pictures of bad girl Lindsay just like very proudly very happily very smiley showing off the bikinis and the monitoring bracelet it's everything unfortunately the alcohol monitoring bracelet didn't do what they wanted and expected it to do because on July 24th, Lindsay was arrested in Santa Monica, California, once again on DUI charges for alcohol, possession of cocaine, and transporting a narcotic into a custody facility and driving on a suspended license. Ooh, so this is the mugshot where Lindsay looks like super dazed. Like she looks extremely high and almost like she's looking into the camera lens and trying to figure out if she knows the person looking through the camera. <laughs> you know, it's really distressing so the police said that they pulled lindsay over in santa monica california on suspicion of drunk driving and there was a quote brief car chase but then they just completely move on like they don't even explain car chase like they they don't that with lindsay that's we just skip right over that we hop right over that one and get to the next crazy line of this article i mean i would rather see that than the OJ car chase any day. That's not as fascinating as Lindsay Lohan fresh out of rehab. It's not funny. I shouldn't even be joking about it, but come on, guys. I mean, can you believe this? So they brought her into custody. They found a small amount of cocaine in her pocket. She was wearing her alcohol detection ankle bracelet at the time of her arrest and was booked for, like I said, DUI, possession of cocaine, transporting a narcotic into a custody facility, and driving on a suspended license. They gave her two breathalyzer tests and her blood alcohol level was 0.12 and then 0.13. The legal limit is 0.08. She had to take a urine test and may receive an additional charge of driving under the influence of a controlled substance if cocaine is found in her system. Lohan's attorney, Blair Burke, Blair Burke, attorney, that sounds like a, a television character lawyer, not a real lawyer, but apparently this person is a real lawyer, and he told people that Lindsay had relapsed. <laughs> if you hadn't gotten that yet, he just confirmed she relapsed and she was receiving medical care. He said, addiction is a terrible and vicious disease. Since Lindsay transitioned to outpatient care, she has been monitored on a scram bracelet and tested daily in order to support her sobriety. Throughout this period, I have received timely and accurate reports from the testing companies. Unfortunately, late yesterday, I was informed that Lindsay had relapsed. The bracelet has now been removed. She is safe out of custody and presently receiving medical care. Okay, so now they explain the car chase. And it says that Lindsay was driving a 2004 Yukon. <laughs> she always surprises me. What? A 2004 Yukon? Lindsay always has Mercedes or BMWs. But apparently it didn't belong to her. So she took somebody else's 2004 Yukon, which honestly would be an honor. 
Imagine if your Yukon was missing and you were like really upset about it, but then you found out that Lindsay Lohan was arrested driving it. I mean, that would make your day. Like that would be the best thing you've ever heard in your life. So apparently Lindsay in the 2004 Yukon, I can't get over it, was chasing a 2007 Escalade being driven by the mother of Lohan's personal assistant. So Jenny... Lindsay's assistant that is one of the people caring for her, the person she can't live without, blah, blah, blah. It was her mother that Lindsay was chasing in the 2004 Yukon. The police officer said the driver who called the police turned out to be the mother of Lindsay Lohan's personal assistant. Just prior to the chase, but I'm not sure exactly how much time prior, the personal assistant had quit. So Jenny quit on Lindsay which, you know, is kind of understandable around this time. They are still in business together. It's not like these are family or something. How can you be a personal assistant to somebody like Lindsay when she is spiraling like this? You can't because you either have to yes her to death and therefore enable her, or you have to say no and face confrontations. Like, for instance, this one that ended in a car chase. So yeah, I guess Jenny quit and then her mother got involved somehow and then was driving her Escalade away and Lohan swiped a Yukon and chased her. And that's when she got pulled over. Lindsay posted $25,000 bail and was released at about 6.30 in the morning. Her arraignment was set for October 24th and the officer said that she was crying and upset during the arrest process but was cooperative. After this arrest, we didn't hear from Lindsay or see her for a few days and then on August 5th, it was announced that she had begun her third stint that year in rehab at the Cirque Lodge in Utah, which everybody already knew about because Mary Kate Olson had been treated there for her eating disorder a few years earlier. Lindsay was expected to do their 30-day program, but she actually ended up staying there until early October. And the paparazzi in the media covered every single moment of this rehab stay as much as they possibly could. I mean, it is so pathetic. These paparazzi moved to Utah just to sit outside of the Cirque Lodge and capture anytime she left the building. Sometimes she was just outside going for a walk, having a cigarette. Other times she would leave on her personal time to go to the tanning salon, which by the way, she looks beautiful when she's out and about. She looks healthy, she looks happy. Once again, it seems like she was really trying to get better. And she was even photographed wearing a jacket that says, don't follow me on the back. And can you blame the girl? I mean, imagine how sad the life of these paparazzi are. Imagine telling your friends and family, oh, I, I can't come to Susie's birthday. I'm going to be living in Utah for the next few months while I stalk a 21-year-old girl who's in her third stint in rehab, who's obviously in a tremendous amount of pain and distress as a result of her multiple arrests and her multiple relapses. So I can't come, I'm sorry. Like, how can you sleep at night? I just don't understand. Don't you feel like the most pathetic piece of crap when you're sitting outside a rehab just praying that this young girl will come out and be seen for five seconds so you can make the rent that month? I mean, it's just, it's so hideous. 
And The Insider actually published an exclusive account of Lindsay's hour-by-hour schedule that a fellow patient who just completed treatment sold to them. I'm not going to read the daily schedule. It's online if you want to find it because I think it's the most ridiculous, intrusive thing. And it's not tea. It's just, you know, at 8 a.m. they have breakfast. At 8.30 they read a book. Like, it's not even anything scandalous, but just the fact that She's desperately trying at this point to salvage her life, never mind her career, from this disease that she and so many others suffer from. And people are selling. I mean, you know, you would think a fellow patient would understand how wrong this is, but who knows? Maybe that person was desperate and had nothing. So like I said, it was just being reported on constantly. Her parents, Dina and Michael, were still battling it out in court, even though their divorce had been finalized. I guess there were additional custody and financial issues that they had to work out. And the insider was right there, of course, waiting for a comment. And all Dina would say is that Lindsay's fine. And also around this time, Lindsay's former bodyguard came out in defense of her. He worked for Lindsay from 2002 until 2005. His name is Tony Almeida and said that Dina nor Michael provided any structure for Lindsay when she was growing up and that both were wild, abusive, neglectful partiers. You guys know I ride hard for Dina. I always defend Dina, but not so much Michael. Tony says from a young age, she dealt with her father's physical, emotional, and drug abuses, as well as her mother's drinking. Once when Lindsay was 16, Michael flew into a rage while driving and slammed on the brakes and dragged her out of the car, pushed her up against the hood, screamed at her, and called her a slut. This was on the Long Island Expressway. I got in the middle of it and pulled him off. Imagine you're working as a bodyguard for this young girl and you're expecting that you're going to have to like calm some fans who approach her and instead you're pulling her father off of her who has her pushed up against the hood of his car calling her a slut. No wonder she's in rehab. He also says Dina let her do whatever she wanted just to keep her happy and working. At her 16th birthday, Lindsay drank whatever she wanted. I saw her drinking beer and mixed drinks with my own eyes. Lindsay was the family cash cow and she resented it. They counted on her to pay their bills. I saw Lindsay exhausted, begging her mother for some time off. And you guys know, even though I defend Dina, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that Lindsay had the family bills on her back. I mean, that checks out with everything else that we've researched over the past few months. On August 23rd, 2007, Lindsay was charged with seven misdemeanors and pled guilty to two counts of being under the influence of a controlled substance. She pled no contest to charges of driving under the influence and reckless driving. Lindsay was sentenced to 36 months of probation, an 18-month-long alcohol education program, 10 days of community service, court-ordered rehab, and one day in jail. The charges stem from her May and July 2007 incidents. Lindsay issued the following statement. It is clear to me that my life has become completely unmanageable because I am addicted to alcohol and drugs. Recently, I relapsed and did things for which I am ashamed. I broke the law, and today I took responsibility by pleading guilty to the charges in my case. No matter what I said when I was under the influence on the day I was arrested, I am not blaming anyone else for my conduct other than myself. I thank God I did not injure others. I easily could have. 
I very much want to be healthy and gain control of my life and career and have asked for medical help in doing so. I am taking these steps to improve my life. Luckily, I am not alone in my daily struggle and I know that people like me have succeeded. Maybe with time, it will become easier. I hope so. So a no contest plea is neither an admission of guilt nor denial. I am not a lawyer, so I cannot give you any more details other than that. Her lawyer was able to finagle this plea agreement that only got her less than 24 hours in jail. Apparently, you're allowed to enter jail late at night, like before midnight, and leave the next morning, and that counts as a day, which was huge. I mean, if you think of everything that she is charged with here, like I said, she pled no contest to misdemeanor drug possession. That was the cocaine. Driving with a blood alcohol level over the limit of 0.8, being under the influence of cocaine and reckless driving, but she pled guilty to the rest of it. And through that, she was able to get only that short time in jail. Very, very lucky. She was ordered to serve that day before January 18th, 2008. In addition to everything else that I stated before, the community service, the probation, rehab, et cetera, et cetera. So this is where I am going to cut it off for today. Next week, we will be diving deep into I Know Who Killed Me and rolling on forward in this crazy, crazy story that is Lindsay's life. I still don't know how many parts this series is going to be. I kind of thought that It would get easier to pack more into an episode once she started doing less movies and getting in more trouble. So maybe that will happen (laughs) next time. But so far, it's just there's so much information. There's so much to the story. And I cut so much out of this episode already. Like I deleted so many things from my notes that I wanted to include but really were extraneous. It's just that when you have somebody as fascinating as Lindsay with so much complication in her life, you can only include so much. So let me know what you think of the episode and I will see you guys all next week thank you so much for listening bye everybody thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast I'm your host Leah Russo you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capria Moon that's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N and follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessica cast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessica cast on Twitter Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessicast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.